You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Hat Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us. I was actually on his podcast about a year ago. We're recording this kind of Q2 of 2022. Great guy coming at us from the Memphis metro area, Sam Wilson. He is the host of the How to Scale Commercial Real Estate Podcast. He's been involved in many different asset classes on both the active and passive side. Uh, particularly today, we're going to talk about his experience with RV parks and how that's different from traditional apartment investing. And very excited to have him. He's a great person to know, a phenomenal networker, and you know, very knowledgeable in in terms of different niche asset classes like this. So, thank you, Sam, for coming on and spending time with us here today. Anthony, the pleasure's mine. Thank you for having me. So. I know you've invested in multifamily. You put a couple of deals together on that side. You've also invested in some other folks' deals. Um, now you're doing RV parks. So what? what's going on? Why pivot? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I love multifamily. I think it's great. It obviously had incredible tailwinds here for the last few years. Um, my thinking has always been to, to look left and right of center. If everybody's running in one direction, it probably means there's opportunity elsewhere that is easier to access, that is, um, you know, has lower hanging fruit on it. I, uh, I love to pick peaches here in the South. It's like my favorite thing to do, right? But everybody always goes to the front of the orchard. Like if you go to the front of the orchard where everybody drives, it's like, and there's a peach, peach orchard not 10 minutes from here. Uh, which if you've never had a fresh peach, you're missing out in life. But that's a side story. Right. But all you got to do is let everybody else go to the front of the orchard and pick. And you just go, man, a couple rows down, you know, maybe 200 mm-hmm. yards in. And it's just, it's like, it's all just right there for you. You're not, and they're all trying to find the you know, one or two on the tree that's left. And there's just trees loaded with fruit. Kind of take that similar approach uh, to a lot of things in life. That said, uh, you know, multifamily is great. Have, have really enjoyed it. Have uh, made good money at it. But I see all, I see everybody going in that direction. Long story here. RV parks is a uh, RV parks and then RV and boat storage is I think that overlooked asset class for now. My theory is that RVs and RV resorts are not RVs, but RV resorts are maybe five years behind where the mobile home park industry is. So, you know, we're buying stuff right now in the nine, 10, 11 cap range in the RV resort uh, space. And there's reasons for that. We can get into that, but it's um, cash flow is incredible. We're getting it at a better cap rate, um, and it's uh, th- there's a lot of other compelling reasons we can get into on that. But those are those are some of the easiest. Just kind of like, hey, wait, nobody's looking at this, and we can buy this and make a lot of money on it. Why don't we just go do that? Sure, and and from a high level, and you might not have the statistics um, on RV parks, uh, boat storage in general in the United States or wherever you're concentrating in your particular market. I'm just I'm curious to see how much inventory is actually out there. You can tap um, and get a fr- you know obviously get a fraction of that and grow your portfolio is that like i haven't seen any i am coming at this from a newbie standpoint as being in the multifamily space and being hyper focused on it so do you you have any statistics on that or any as far as the number of parks that are out there yeah because it's it seems like it's very niche um 
Sort of. It, it, so I'll, I'll, I'll frame it to you differently in that two, three years ago, the number of RV pads to RVs on the, on the like actual RVs in the United States was something like one pad for every two RVs, right? I mean, for, any, for, for, for the aggregate number of RV, and that, and that included roadside parks on the interstate, that included RV resorts, and included all sorts of, you know, anything where you could park an RV. So it was like two to one. Well, for number of RVs, two pads. Well, that number has now changed somewhere, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm pulling this one out of my hat a little bit, but it's somewhere in the five to six range now, number of RVs on the road to actual RV park sites, which is absolutely incredible. We had a 43.5% increase in deliveries, depending on who you ask, but uh, this was the uh, RV Association, of deliveries in 2021 over 2020. We had 600,000 new RVs delivered in 21. We're on track for that already in 22 and going to exceed that wildly. And suddenly it's like, hey, wait, we've got incredible demand. And this is a lot of this has been driven by, of course, the pandemic. But I think what has happened is, is not it's it's picked up tailwinds that we see lasting for at least a decade. Anything I want to invest in, I want to see at least projectable. I mean, obviously nothing's guaranteed, but but a 10 year projection where I can say, hey, you know what? I foresee 10 years of good demand in this particular asset class. The age group has changed. When you think of RVers, you think of somebody north of 60, retired, taking a national park tour. No, that's not it anymore. The largest RV ownership groups, 35 to 55 with kids. That's me. I'm in that group. I own an RV with kids and there's not, there's no way in the world I'm getting rid of my RV when I travel. It's like, no, we're loading the, I mean, this is the best way to travel in the world. Mm -hmm. So you've got this whole demographic shift of new people who are buying new RVs. Um, you know, they, there's still great financing available on them. And it's something where they can load the family up and go, you know, travel across the country. Of course, gas prices are one of those things that, that uh, you know, and there, there's some compelling reasons why we're not buying those roadside interstate parks. Because if gas prices go insane, then we want to own resorts where they can come a couple hours from a major city, park their RV, mm -hmm. play for the weekend. It's not going to break the bank to go travel and use it. So that's uh, a lot of information I'm throwing at you all at once. I hope I answered your question. Yeah. So you mentioned cap rate. So um, for our, you know, our listeners, Obviously, that's an you know income approach uh, way to look at some commercial real estate. How are RV parks structured? Is it similar to most mobile home park deals where you're buying the land and then you're doing you know you have leases? So is that very similar? Yeah, and financing is becoming more available for that asset class because a couple of years ago, I don't even maybe even four, probably four years ago, um, the agency lenders like Fannie and Freddie Mac didn't want to do any, didn't want anything to do with mobile home parks and now they are um so how does the financing from an operator standpoint work on you know the, the rv parks how easily financeable is it and how do you how are you finding your deals i guess yeah they they are they are finance we use this word if it, i just i'll make it up if it's not a word they are financeable they are yep. able to be financed there we go Uh, I've not seen agency debt on RV resorts yet. Um, but again, we have not gotten to the point where agency debt would make sense. So I haven't even, cause our, our, our primary goal right now, we've got three parks under contract, total about 16 million. So that comes out a little above, a little above 5 million per park. We're going to buy a handful of these parks, 
figure it out, take our, take our, uh, you know, our, our business lessons, hopefully on some smaller deals and then really start going for bigger stuff. So at this point, I'm not even researched agency debt and can't speak to that, but I can say that there is financing available both from a local lender standpoint. And there's also national lenders that are, that, that really specialize in this space. So it's, it's there and it's, it's widely available. Okay. And I, I think we might've cut off a little bit for some reason, our internet might've went out. Um, so, so how does it work? Is it similar to mobile home park? Is, did you address that in terms of no, and I, I can the start, land? I'm I sorry. can start this that whole thing over. Sounds good. Okay. So yeah, when it comes to financing, there's certainly um, financing available. There's a lot of national lenders out there that specialize in the RV uh, RV resort space. So, you know, certainly able to, and I had a great call with, with several lenders this morning on a project. Uh, I have not researched agency debt in any capacity. So I don't have any idea at this point because we're not at the point where the size of the deal really warrants agency debt. Uh, our, our our thesis here early on is to buy several parks in the you know four to six million dollar range, which is what we've got three under contract right now. Kind of get get our business lessons out of the way early on some smaller projects, and then you know go after the bigger stuff. So what agency debt if it's available? I've not even done the the first Google keyword search on it yet. So I uh, couldn't, couldn't tell you a thing about that, but there is certainly debt available. And again, the calls I had this morning with lenders, I mean, this is what they specialize in nationally. So it's out there, it's available. There's also SBA programs for it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty easy to finance. Okay, and uh, so how is it structured? So are you, you're leasing the lots per day? Like how is it in management wise? Is it yeah. more intensive? Yeah, let's talk about the management. It's, it, it is a business. I mean, that's something to keep in mind. And that's one of the reasons that cap rates are higher is because it's not just a lot rent, right? It's not just mobile home parks. And I love to compare them because mobile home park, you buy the park. The ideal situation is that you're lot rent only. You have no park owned mm -hmm. homes and you collect your check once a month. You keep the water, the sewer running in the yard mode. And otherwise, you know, hopefully you can break up any neighborhood fights if there are any, like that's what you kind of want to leave with a mobile home park. With this, it's an operating business. And I think this is one of the cool parts about it is that inside of these resorts is there's so many levers you can pull to drive new revenue sources or to drive new, you know, greater revenue. So, you know, this, this deal we're buying right now has a marina, has a restaurant, it has a guide service. It's on a reservoir. Uh, it has the RV park. It's got a 40 room motel. It's got cabins. It's got all these different things that it's like, oh, wait, we can you know, there's 73 short-term rentals there, including the motel that we can turn all this into. It's like, well, wait, that's, that's, I mean, that's amazing upside for somebody that's a mom and pop operator. I forget the question you'd asked me because I went off tangent there, but no, you yeah. answered it. Okay, good. So yeah, there's, 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 I mean, there's, and, and, and I look at all those things and you go, okay, you know, there's reasons that trades higher because it's an operating business. And with an operating business like that, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of management. So, you know, it's not as attractive from a large capital standpoint, just because of the intricacies of, you know, deals like that. Now, when you go acquire your RV parks, do you personally hire a third-party management company or do you do it in-house? Yeah, we're doing that. And that's one of the things we're building on the uh, as, as we speak is building the in-house management. It's one of those things, yes, there's third-party operators out there, third-party management companies out there. I just, again, there's so many moving parts and there's so many people that I just can't imagine dumping a, a third-party management in on an operation like that saying, Hey, you know, do your best. I just, I just don't see it getting done the way we need it to. So yeah, building that team right now, as we speak. Right. No, and I think that's important for this niche of an asset class. Are there, for those who are, who are thinking of getting into this asset class, are there 
are there really professional third-party managers? I'm sure there are that specialize in this, or are they far and few between? There, there are. I couldn't even begin to tell you the names of them. I mean, again, it's something where it, we we did a cursory, did a little cursory research on it, and just said, you know what, that just that's just not going to work for us. It, uh, I, we we need to have our fingers in the in the mix in order to make this go. And so, I yeah, again, we researched slightly and said, nope, done researching. I've got all I need to know. We're, we're going to do this ourselves. Understood. And so what markets are you targeting? You mentioned two hours outside of a major metro. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So right now we've got, we've got a couple, we can talk specifically about the deals we have under contract, which that's the other cool thing about this is that it is highly fragmented. I mean, highly fragmented. It's still mom and pop owned majority across the country, um, which again, leaves a lot and not that mom and pop is bad. It just leaves lots of operational upside. Um, you know, finding deals right now, we're looking at stuff. Uh, we want to be in the RV resort space. I don't want to be in the RV park space. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, just looking at the dynamics of fuel prices alone. You know, if you're out in the middle of Kansas, I don't want to own an RV park off the interstate 70 in the middle of Kansas, because that means that the only people staying there, one are transients, which, which is great. That, that, that was your question earlier. We never answered, which was transient versus long-term rentals or long-term uh, tenants. RV parks have that mix, uh, but I'll answer that and then we'll come back to where we're looking. But they have that mix of long-term and short-term uh, you know, tenants. A lot of these will have a 70% long-term on a seasonal basis, which they're great because they've got their space. They paid for 12 months. They're only there maybe three to four months out of the year, maybe in total. Uh, but for them, it's kind of a little getaway. It's a fun, hey, take the kids out, go for a weekend. They A lot of them leave their RVs there. So they'll pay for a whole year, leave their RV there. They're they're better tenants because they you know this is not their primary living space. They come there to have fun, spend time on the weekends. But with that long term component, obviously that decreases revenues because it's you know obviously a month or a twelve month lease is not going to pay the same as an overnight rate. So one of the things that we are bringing to the table is the ability to really market heavy, decrease the long term. And mom and pops love long term tenants because it you know it's stable revenue, right? But you know, I'd rather have more revenue with a little less stability than the stable revenue. So one of the things we're trying to do is, is kind of we, we you know take some of those long termers off the table and turn that more into a short short term uh, overnight you know stay, which again adds more business complexity because you're going to get somebody pulling in at nine o'clock at night going, hey, where's my you know where's space fifty four and driving all the way through the RV park. You have to have somebody around there to go, hey man, you're that way, park and turn your lights off. Uh, and you know, so that's, that's part of the equation. Um, so that's, but, but it's great. Cause then of course we can, you know, drive revenues much higher doing it on a short, shorter term basis, but where we're looking is anywhere that people want to go on vacation. So one of the deals we've got right now, uh, again, I'll just talk about the, the one on the reservoir. It's a fishing reservoir. It's, I mean, a huge, huge fishing group. There's 25,000 members on the Facebook page for the, for the fish on this reservoir. It's crazy. And, and the place is sold out. They're completely booked for the entire season. Uh, but places like that are great. Cause then you've got a restaurant. Like I said, we have a restaurant, we've got the RV park, we've got motels, we've got cabins, we've got floating, you know, floating, uh, kitchenettes where you pull your boat up and you got your room right there. I mean, all sorts of fun stuff that goes into it. That's what we want to be is a destination, not necessarily just a stopover place. Understood. So you, t- you mentioned a little bit about the value add strategy of, of your investment thesis, basically. Um, can we kind of summarize some of those points. So you mentioned ancillary income. You, know, you, you mentioned changing long-term to seasonal, um, which I think is very interesting. Obviously, your occupancy is going to probably go down, you know, annualized on an annualized basis. 
Um, I'm assuming you're going to get the lot rents up as well. Yes. Um, what kind of improvements do you make? Absolutely. One, add more sites. So that's okay. it's, an, it's, it's an easy fix. I mean, I think we're budgeting today's dollars, which if you can tell me where construction costs are going to be in six months, I'll, I'll write you a fat check. But it's, uh, you know, we're budgeting like 35 grand a site right now. So an easy ad on this park that we're looking at now is 25 sites. It's like, okay, so what is that? 875 grand. You know, that that's a that's an easy value add. Second, dynamic pricing. Like I this park we're buying right now has the same price on here. We're recording this April 4th, 2022. I don't know when this will go live, but you can get the same site today on April 4th that you can for July 4th. What? Excuse me, July this doesn't make any sense at all. That's an easy value add. Do dynamic pricing. So we're gonna go to the airline Airbnb model where and we 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 find you can easily add 10% revenue to to your uh, to your nightly um, you know revenues just on doing that model just on that alone and there's software that'll do that for you so when the, so when the phone rings your front desk or whoever it is they're not going to give you a quoted nightly rate they got they got to look and say oh okay here's the right the rate for the night i mean it's small stuff like that that makes a uh, that makes a big difference so yeah we talked uh, well you hit the other two and that that's the third third and it's a primary driver uh, of a lot of it and you mentioned you like to look at deals on a 10-year basis and because you look at asset classes being, you know, decade long at a minimum. Um, what's your exit strategy for these parts? I mean, how many, you mentioned there's a lot less buyers out there than there are for multifamily. You know, there's a different supply and demand dynamic. What's your exit strategy? Are you trying to aggregate uh, RV parks in a specific area and then spin them off at some point to a larger RV park owner? What's What's like the overall... That's kind of the, strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the goal is, and, and maybe it, maybe if it's, is, is, and that's a, that's a great way to think about it geographically. Um, that is the goal to put a large portfolio together and then have a portfolio sale. And who knows, you know, if we don't get there, that's one of my ultimate goal in real estate investing is to be a passive investor. And so yeah. one of the things that I've often struggled with is that whole, like, you know, we need to reap our or harvest our equity out of this deal. So we sell the deal, but then we got to go do it all over again. I love the idea of just getting paid for a long time. And so trying to figure out how to do that with our investors, where it's like, hey, we're going to buy this. Our intention is to get everybody's money back and then hold it for as long as we can. Whether we get there or not, I don't know. That's 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 something that's that's not part of the plan. The plan is obviously to, you know, we have a five to seven year plan where we can, you know, uh, sell the park off, but it, uh, it's certainly a niche that I'd like to scratch at some point is that ability to stick just to buy and hold in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. Interesting. And because you, at that point, you would have to imagine there'll be more players entering into your space anyway. And, you know, if there was an end buyer, just like the mobile heart, you know, mobile home park business, there wasn't a lot a few years ago and now it's probably maybe quadruple, but Easy. even relatively speaking, there's still not as many players there as there are multifamily. So, right. Right. Yeah. And that and that's my thought, too, is that because this is overlooked, people are desperately, I mean, capital is chasing yield. It really is. And there is so much yield in this. Like there's a deal that they're working on that's like I got a 15 or 17 percent cash on cash annual return. It's like you can't get that in multifamily. You, mm -hmm. you might get that. You, you can't get that in mobile home parks, mm -hmm. but you can get it in RV parks. So I think that's the next that's one of the other compelling reasons I really like it is because there is yield. And it's um and it's not that challenging to come by, so that's my other thought is that capital is just eventually just going to get tired of looking at other asset classes and go oh hey look there's enormous yield over here and if we can put put a monster portfolio with you know several hundred million dollars where they can buy it all at once that'd be great. 
Awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, can you tell our audience about your podcast? Yeah, sure. It's called the How to Scale Commercial Real Estate Podcast. It's a daily show. Had great guests on such as yourself. Uh, gosh, we crossed episode 500 here, I don't know, in the next 20 days, I think. So it's uh, it's fun fun to fun to do that. Certainly enjoy it. Yeah. Reach, reach out, look up the show. We talk about everything commercial real estate related. Uh, so we're not just, um, you know, one asset class. So there's a lot of different guests that bring on there from everybody from mindset coaches to uh, multifamily. We talk about it all. So it's it's a lot of fun, but it is all commercial real estate. I love it. Yeah, he's got a great show. And like you said, it's daily. It's very hard to put out a daily show. Tried doing it myself and, you know, got the buy daily and then it went to weekly. It's very hard. So it could be a lot of credit. And um, how can my audience find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Maybe learn more about your opportunities that are coming up or. Absolutely. Two, two things. One, go to my website, Brick and Investment Group. That's B-R-I-C-K-E-N investmentgroup.com slash checklist. There's a checklist I have on there. You can use this for anybody's deal. It's called how to vet a deal in 10 minutes. So again, that's forward slash checklist. Download that guide and that will help you cut a lot of time out of your research phase if you're a passive investor. I'm a passive investor in lots of different opportunities. And I found, especially early on, that I would spend a ton of time trying to figure out, be like two hours in researching, like, oh yeah, that's cool. I like, I like this. Well, huh, huh. This will help you just boil that down to about 10 minutes where you go, okay, check, check, check. Yes, no, got it. I come to my conclusion whether or not I should research further or throw the deal away. So find that checklist. You should, should find that very helpful when you are vetting deals. Download that. Also join our investor club there on the website. That's the only way you hear about our opportunities. And then as well, you know, you'll get a weekly newsletter from me. So that's, uh, that's it. Awesome. Well, Sam, I really appreciate you coming on our show today. Definitely learned a lot, gained a lot of value for our audience. And for the audience, if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps Sam and myself get our message out to a greater audience. And we'll have a link to uh, Sam's podcast and his other platforms in our social media description too, so you can reach right out to him and learn more about him. So thanks again, Sam, for coming on. Hope to hear from you again soon. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate it.